Hi there, dear friends. Welcome to another edition of On Mike with Jordan Rich, where conversation is alive and well, conversation with creative people, creative people with passion. And joining me today is a healer. His name is Dr. Barry Taylor, and he's an ND, a doctor of naturopathic medicine, and the author of Love Your Body, Your Path to Transformation, Health, and Healing. He offers his exclusive Love Your Body program. Thousands of people over the years have partaken of that. We'll have him talk about it. It's reaped many great benefits. But we're not here to talk about dis-ease. We're here to talk about wellness, feeling better, optimizing your health, changing your attitude about food and sleep and exercise. But the good news is Dr. Barry Taylor, whom I've gotten to know a bit, is not here to lecture or berate. He's here to share his practical philosophy for wellness and joy. So let's get to it, shall we? A conversation with a healer as we welcome Dr. Barry Taylor to join us on mic. You yourself, Dr. Barry Taylor, had uh, had to heal and get better after a tough start. Tell us about that. Oh, boy. You want me to go back to another century, huh? Well, um, just a little overview. Yeah. I, I, I just... Uh, had lots of headaches growing up as a kid. I um, had strep three, four times a year for four or five years in a row. Um, struggled with weight. Huskies didn't fit me. I used to have to buy extra Huskies. Mm. So, um, yeah. And, and and then sometime as a early, mid-teenager, I kind of grew straight up vertically. <clears throat> and then, um, yeah, around 30, I had this epiphany or in, in a workshop that I was a fat person in a thin body, uh, because although I quote, wasn't fat anymore. Yeah. I still had all sorts of issues between my ears. So, so I, uh, started working with a man who was an MD ND. He was a medical doctor, 1930 naturopathic doctor, 1932 and started to recover, um, different relationships with my body. And just because I had less headaches, although mid-20s, I still had lots of headaches. Uh, there were things that he opened up worlds and universes for me, uh, given my, what you've asked, my history as a child, as a teenager, mm. uh, somebody who was really, you know, um, not hospitalized a lot. I mean, I was hospitalized early on in college. I was bleeding internally. Uh, but those all sorts of things that, um, you know, I was not aware of in terms of taking care of my body like a machine that you, needs you, care. You were, in a sense, and you talk a lot about this in the book, you were really out of balance and uh, you weren't listening to your body. And that's something that all of us need to do more of. But right. this this individual who's now gone and gone to the great reward, it was really a, instrumental in helping you understand all this and how it works. Yeah, Dr. Balot was, uh, you know, I was a kid in my early 20s. He was a early 80s, mid 80s kind of rip roaring guy. I'd walk in and he, you know, flex his muscle, feel my bicep. And and, Pete, and it was like United Nations. Uh, he, he practiced north of Boston in a place called Wakefield. Mm -hmm. uh, it was about a six month waiting list to get to see him. And he became a father figure, a priest, rabbi, teacher, professor for me. I saw him every Monday for about four years. So he really was seminal in terms of having me. What's wrong with the way we approach disease? It always seems to me that it's all about the dis, not about the ease. <laughs> what, what's, your, what's your overall philosophy as to how and why we need to rethink our bodies and our health? The metaphor that I use is um, there's a fire alarm going off 
uh, and um, we we run into the room and um, we grab a sledgehammer and we knock the alarm off the wall so it's not blaring and screaming out of at us. Uh, we go back out of the house and um, everything's fine, right? Because mm. the alarm's not going off. Right. So th- that that's the you know there's nothing wrong with surgery and there's nothing wrong that with drugs and it's you know, some of my best friends are really good surgeons and good doctors. Um, it's kind of I'm sorry. A, a lot of doctors are glorified plumbers. They fix leaks as opposed to what's the source of this. So the allopathic tradition of drugs and surgery um, is more often, too often, just treating the effects of the dis-ease uh, as if arthritis is from a deficiency of butazolidine and depression is from a deficiency of Zoloft. And that doesn't mean nobody should be on uh, Zoloft and it doesn't mean you know nobody with arthritis should be on butazolidine. But there, there's a world of, we're very holistic, integrated, mental, emotional, spiritual, physical beings. Um, it, it's not like, again, uh, your heartburn is from a deficiency of that antiacid. You know, maybe you're drinking coffee on an empty stomach or you're having too many acid forming foods and maybe you need to eat a few more vegetables or maybe not. Mm. You know, maybe you need to deal with your anger that's causing a lot of acid reflux. So I think it's about the uh, immediacy, the McDonald's state of mind of, of people taking things just to address the symptom which is not bad, not wrong, without then the doctors. And my youngest son is a fifth-year chief urologist, so it's not like, oh, my God, doctors are bad. <laughs> uh, the, the mother of my children is a really, really good MD, surrounded by medical doctors. Um, but but too often with the surgery or the medicine, and then the symptom gets lessened or the symptom gets removed, then, the, okay, now we're more comfortable. Let's have a conversation about what are some of the parameters that had you get this you know, right. uh, now that you're more comfortable. And and that is the missing piece as opposed to everyone should take vitamins or no one should have dairy and everyone's got to give up meat or no one should do sugar. And, you know, I tell, I like to use a lot of humor. So the example I say is you might want to consider if you're eating cornflakes to eat the box because there's more nutrition in the box than in the cornflakes. <laughs> a lot of fiber in those boxes, I'm told. <laughs> <laughs> right. Not much uh, happening in the cornflakes. One of the things that I glean from things like this is an understanding of this amazing machine that we all inhibit. And and it's inhabit. Did I say inhibit? Freudian yeah. slip. Inhabit. Yeah, I'll go with both. Okay. Yeah. Right, right. Okay. And this, this is an amazing machine. I mean, uh, I've read the treatises on the the miracle that is the eye, the human eye, and that's getting into the metaphysical. But in yeah. in terms of how th- systems work – the symbiosis of the body, it's, it's, it's a thing of beauty, actually, when you think about it. And when it's out of whack, it tells us everything we need to know. There seems to be a, a lack of understanding, training, appreciation for the kind of thing you're preaching. A little bit more openness now than when I got involved in 1970. Not 1870, 1970. I didn't doubt that for a second, even yeah, though you yeah. have that beautiful, long, flowing po- ponytail all white. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Um, yeah, um, it, 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 there are some naturopaths, there are some really fabulous chiropractors, there are really some, some fabulous acupuncturists who don't see themselves as educators, 
So they're not doing their talent, what they feel called to do, in a context of guiding somebody to be better listeners, to shift their relationship and scratch their head and ask their questions. Well, now that I'm taking this, now that I'm getting adjusted, now that I really think that acupuncture is really healthy. So what? how could I listen more? The idea of developing a relationship where self-care is not a, a, a drudgery, you know, that self-care is not a should. Uh, in my programs, I have online programs and used to do them live in front of people. Something I started in 1981, it's called the Love Your Body program. That's my uh, brand. Um, you, you know, what would it be like if you exercised or ate a little differently or uh, meditated a little bit? That doesn't mean you have to sit on a cushion. And it was kind of like brushing your teeth. You know, when you wake up in the morning, you don't lay there. Well, am I going to brush my teeth? You know, it's kind of like it's default. You know, am I going to go to the bathroom and pee or, you know, change it? You kind of just do it. You know, what if, you know, we could eliminate guilt and the shoulding on ourselves, the should. I should exercise more. I should learn some more relaxation strategies. And we installed and that might take a few weeks, might take a few months. Oh, my goodness. I hope it doesn't take a few years. Um to have a, a value where self-care honoring the idea that this machine, uh, this Bentley, this this uh, Rolls Royce, uh, is is not a, a a lower end model, and it doesn't mean you meticulously have to be a purist. You know, you never drink alcohol, you never have a good Cuban cigar or, or any kind of cigar. You you never should eat fill in the blank. But the idea of listening to your body is something that um, is a mild, moderate, or a hobby that you actually come to enjoy and appreciate rather than at a fear of, well, my relatives have cancer, my relatives have heart disease, so again, I should take care of myself better. Mm -hmm. uh, how do you shift that thinking so it's kind of more like brushing your teeth? wellness as opposed to disease and sickness. I like that. But I also think that, and, and you can expound on this, that when we worry and feel guilty and shame and dishonesty with ourselves, that's eating us up. That's that's causing the bile in the stomach, isn't it? I mean, our emotions are tied to our body. If, if you don't believe that, just think about those headaches again. What, one of the seminal books um, was 1968. Uh, an army captain, Carl Symington, and his wife, Stephanie, uh, wrote a book called Getting Well Again. Um, and that was one of the earlier books. Now, you can go back to the Upanishads. That's really early. That's four or 5,000 years ago. But in our culture, as the very, very, very beginning in the 50s, 60s, there was Prevention Magazine, a guy named Rodell Press, um, to speak to the issue of Wellness has more to do with attitude, uh, not like you have to think positively because people can think positively on top of a whole bunch of negativity. Uh, but the idea that um, it's it's not just taking more vitamins and, and eating less fat and having less alcohol and sugar. And for some people, that might be true a little bit. You know, you've kind of eaten your quota of sugar or alcohol this lifetime. But I don't particularly have hard and fast rules that everyone's got to do this and no one should do that. So the idea of wellness is the second half of my book. Thank you so much for appreciating it. Where early on in the second half of the book, which is about healing, first half's about health, I talk about trust. Using that as an example, I would say, 
given the drug surgery culture that most of us have been so imbued and seduced by, um, most people who see me, these medications haven't worked. I really do not want to have surgery unless I have to, you know, and I'm seeing you as a last resort. Um, most people, e even if they have some uh, appreciation of nutrition and herbs and homeopathy or acupuncture or things like that, a complementary, I don't use the word alternative anymore because I have too many really brilliant MDs who are so dedicated that, you know, why would I want to suggest that I'm an alternative to them? I'd rather be a complement. So we talk about integrative medicine and complementary mm. medicine. And then people come to me, even those really open, and I have plenty of people who come rather skeptical, um, their connection to trusting their own capacity to heal might be incredibly compromised, and they don't know it. They don't know mm. how cynical slash skeptical they are, and they're willing to pay me money, come see me, want to get some coaching and counseling. And so sometimes, per your thoughts, I not only do some evaluating about heavy metals or nutrition or vitamins or minerals or hormones or enzymes, probiotics, but I, I'm then listening to the mood that they're in. Um, not that they have to be born-again believers, despite the results that have been pretty amazing that I've gotten, and I'm not 100% always uh, get it right. Uh, but people come to me with pretty complicated, pretty complex issues that drugs and surgery and many, many other things didn't work. So I have this, not belief, I have close to 50 years of experience that our capacity for healing is infinitely greater then people have been whispering in our ears and teaching us no matter how many degrees you have. So trust is an example yeah. that I'm looking at, you know, I, I, I can't just say this to a person. Is it, and, and they don't have to meditate 20, 30, 40 minutes a day, but how are they going to move from just being willing to pop different vitamins or change what they eat and start to connect to what I call, I think you're hinting at this, the energy of wellness or the energy of trusting their body, which can have profound effects. Going back to where I started, Carl Symington and his wife, Stephanie, talked about it related to cancer patients, you know, how the attitude. So the fear of cancer can be almost worse than cancer of itse right. itself. You were talking about brushing your teeth, which is an automatic uh, exercise that we hopefully all do. Something called muscle memory that's very much true with sports and athletics or anything. Yeah. When you use a muscle a certain way, it, it starts to get used to it and, and it becomes yeah. second nature. I was going to relate it to uh, myself in terms of my diet and nutrition. And years ago, I decided to make little changes that I just wanted to try. Uh, one was giving up – this is 40 years ago – giving up sodas and, and sugary drinks. It really became a, not just a – task, but a joy. I started to enjoy putting healthier things in my body. It's almost as if I had a mind shift, yep. hypnotized to believe, oh, I'm only going to drink Kool-Aid. And then I stopped taking the Kool-Aid, if you'll pardon the expression. Does that make sense? Uh, 110%. And um, that, what I'm going to label that, I call that a contextual shift. Um, you know, you've gone from a should to somehow you're associating um, consciously or unconsciously, uh, positive to that 
change in you did less of this and more of that. Too often for some people, um, I did all these things and I don't feel a difference or that would be neutral mm. uh, or uh, I'm doing all this stuff. And actually, I think my acne is getting worse. I'm, I'm getting more bloated. You know, I had headaches two or three times a week, and now I think I'm getting headaches three or four times a week. So the idea of how do you hang in there to, because um, this is kind of core of what I'm doing with people, um, making habit changes an adventure. How do you, and because you started, you know, the interview, like we're machines, and I think we are machines. That's why there was a chapter in the second half of my book on conditioned patterns, uh, and one way of talking about those conditioned patterns physically is muscle memory. And, and so it's not just muscle memory. Um, Tony Robbins, you know, one of the, not tens, but tens and tens and tens of millions of dollars. He, he has a phrase called repetition is the mother of skill. Um, you know, if, if you'll repeat it over and over and over again, and somewhere between here and there, you were blessed with, Wow, it actually became easier. It was like kind of like brushing your teeth. Mm. So it was easy to, to, to have less Kool-Aid and have less sodas. Uh, I wish I could say that it's this, that way for everyone. It isn't. Some people I need to really be a cheerleader for and give them 101 reasons why to hang in there, that, that their body will catch up as opposed to you should do this even if it's well, y you've already disarmed a big part of the audience by admitting that uh, there's there is a place for what you do, but certainly there's a place for quote unquote Western medicine. I think that what turns people off to the idea that we can better heal ourselves are the people who make these outrageous claims. You've seen them on online and Facebook. Their ads are everywhere. You know, don't eat tomatoes. You eat tomatoes, you're killing yourself. I mean, that kind of stuff just, just gets under everybody's craw, either scares people to death or makes people think, well, what am I listening to this crackpot for? How does, how does all of a sudden a tomato going to kill you? So I, I think it's very important for you to do what you're doing and to be, to be real and authentic. Yeah. Um, so in the title of my book, it, it's um, – your path to health, healing, transformation. So I think you're pointing out to something um, that kind of speaks to where most people are at, uh, which is dogma and positionality. Uh, this works for me. Uh, I, don't, I don't have any negative. If this works for me, you might. I think there's the missing word. You might try it. It might work for mm -hmm, you. Mm -hmm. But so many, um, excuse me, now I'll use the word alternative author, healer type is um, the paleo diet or vegetarian or uh, fasting or these radical ideas. Uh, and I've done, a, I've done a lot of cleansing and detoxing. Uh, you know, I have 20,000 people that have done my Love Your Body program. That's a, that's a pretty big sample. But the idea that I should should on other people as if, so summarizing, you're referring to somebody taking a position and making a position. I'm going to use the example you used tomatoes. No one should use to eat tomatoes. You know, it, it, it's, it kind of speaks to where a lot of people are at, which is um, they make nutrition um, or natural therapeutics, a religion, you know, they're born again. So I, I've, 
you know, I, I had a multidisciplinary clinic from 81 to 96, 150 different doctors, 15 secretaries, 15 part-time secretaries, lots of nurses, lots of wonderful MDs, and um, takes a village. I, I don't, I don't think. Let's do this now because you brought it up again, and I think it's kind of cool to allow you the the elevator story, if you will, of Love Your Body, the program. The book is great. The book's got all kinds of cool stuff and case studies. But if I were to just walk in off the street and say, Dr. Barry Taylor, what's this program all about? And is it tailored to the individual? Is it uh, general nutrition and exercise and other things? Give us a little flavor of it. Uh, so going back to Dr. Balot, rest his soul, um, I did, um, you know, I was so sick for so many years he said, um, after working with me almost a year, I was in college at Brandeis, getting a degree in comparative religion, thinking I was going to divinity school. Mm -hmm. Hello. Uh, and he said, after working with him a year and trying to dispel my quite regular headaches, I wasn't getting strep as often, but boy, I was really plagued by headaches. Were these migraines? Uh, I assume they were, right? Migraine no, style? They no. actually, they were migraines in terms of severity. They were really like lay down. Um, and and mm. live on bufferin or aspirin for a long time, but I didn't have auras, and they weren't okay. one sided. It was more like my head was in a vice. Mm. Um, sometimes people refer to migraines as a just severe headaches. I'm going to go with that, debilitating. Uh, anyway, after a year, he said, "You ready for the next step?" And I trusted him totally. He said, "Okay, I want you to rest your body and do juices or salads or something one day a week." And so I, every Monday I, I, I did a fast or a, a, a very restricted way of eating. And then the next third year, he said, you're ready for the next step. I said, sure. He said, OK, I want you to do one day a week and three days a month. I said, OK. Fourth year, he said, you're ready for the next step. I trusted this man implicitly. People from all over the world in his waiting room. Um, he said, I want you to do one day a week, three days a, a month and a minimum of two weeks every quarter around the equinox and sol solstice. My mother was rather concerned my senior year of college because I didn't eat for like 320 days that year. Different story for another moment. Okay. <laughs> so I then didn't go to divinity school, went to naturopathic school, barely got in, made it through. And then when I opened my clinic in 1981, cleansing and detoxing um, – was something that I had an enormous amount of experience with, way more than most of the other kids who were in this four or five year medical training. So um, the Love Your Body program started as a, let's do a cleanse in a community, not necessarily a fast, but let's take three weeks and maybe eliminate coffee or sugar or red meat or dairy and you know just eat cleaner. And I developed four different paths to go through it. As it evolved, and unbeknownst to me, somebody did it a second time, a third time, a fourth time, and several thousand people did it five, six, eight, ten times over years. Wow. And I was using that structure to learn an enormous amount about health and the process of healing. Um, I used it as an environment for people to start to learn about um, self-care so that there are um, agreements in that 21-day program for people to exercise every day for 10, 12, 15 minutes. And if you're in a wheelchair on crutches, people still can do the exercise in their wheelchair. 
you can do that. Um, and let's have an agreement about a relaxation strategy. We don't need to call it meditation or visualization, but let's take 10 minutes every day for 21 days and learn something about breathing and something about learning how to get yourself from the sympathetic rah, 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 push, 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 adrenal pushing yourself through the day, needing cigarettes, needing caffeine to it doesn't mean nobody should ever do cigarettes. I'm not saying nobody should ever do coffee, but you've lost the ability to know how to calm yourself down. So Love Your Body programs uh, became and still are structures where people have choices, uh, especially in a community. Some programs are 10, 15 people. Some programs are 30, 40 people. And a lot of people do it again six months or a year later. Mm. Not everyone. I certainly have thousands of people. Can, can I interject and ask you a, a basic question about fasting? Yeah. It's become very popular to people around the world, these fasting programs, and it doesn't mean yeah. giving up food entirely, obviously, but what's the principle behind it? Because there are many, well, you mentioned your mother. <laughs> there are yeah. many people, what are you, crazy? You're not eating? What's the matter with you? This what is, is not like wine. This doesn't get better by... Um, <laughs> Aging it. Yeah. So there's there there are a lot. Uh, I mean, we could do a whole hour just on fasting, but let's change the word from fasting to cleansing or using the word detoxing. So in a physical sense, um, there's a thought in naturopathic or the MDs use a word functional medicine. The man who wrote the um, forward to my book, Jeff Bland. He was chief advisor to NASA, chief advisor of the U.S. Olympic team, ran Linus Pauling's lab. He started the Institute of Functional Medicine. There's this paradigm that physically, a lot of diseases, anything that's got an ITIS, colitis, arthritis, bursitis, all those inflammatory states are part of the body becoming way too acid. Too much animal protein, too much sugar, too much adrenaline coursing through your body. You're push, push, push through the day. The more uh, you're living on adrenal fumes, the more your body shifts more acid. Uh-oh, there's your tomatoes and eggplants and pineapples. They're acid. That cancers have a real difficult time in alkaline environments. Now, that doesn't mean everyone's going to do just vegetables and their cancer is going to go away. That would be absurd. Or everyone's going to do just vegetables and their arthritis is going to go away. However, the cleansing, detoxing, not necessarily fasting, because fasting is definitely not for everyone. But the idea of simplifying what you're eating, maybe eating a ton of food, but food that doesn't challenge your digestive system in the same way that a good piece of fish or chicken or tofu or bread or grains. So you're eating just some version that's going to upregulate your kidneys, colon, skin, liver, that you get to eliminate more efficiently um, by doing that resting your body. And so part of it, now I could answer the question from a mental, emotional, spiritual point of view. I just chose to give you the simple answer physically mm. that there are mild, moderate, and different versions of cleanses that some docs all over the world talk about, uh, you know, and, then there's a, and they were doing it in the 1800s with the water cure or, or different kinds of things that people did in the 17, 1800s. In these days, um, the idea is that you're resting your body so that the organs of elimination have a better 
environment to rid itself of things that you're not peeing, pooping, sweating out just in the course of life itself, that you're retaining. Now, now we can justify, you know, in toxins and environmental pollutants and, and chemicals and additives and colors and hormones and chickens that just eliminating the way your bowels and kidneys and lungs work, you don't eliminate all of that. A lot of those toxins get retained. And during a three-day, five-day, not to suggest in a three-day cleanse, you're going to deal with the last five or 10 years, but we're putting our toe in the ocean. And over the next three months, six months, year, could we do things that some of the medical doctors are not achieving by the medications that they're juggling and giving you more and more with almost anything? So you and I were brought up in an environment of genetics, right? Like genetics. Now the word is epigenetics. Epigenetics is the world of how nutrition and stress and emotions affect gene expression so that gene expression is not fixed. And I, you know, raise my eyebrows, tickle people without touching them physically by saying, I don't know how to change your brown eyes to blue eyes now. I don't know how to change your blue eyes to brown. And why would I? You've got beautiful, beautiful blue eyes. But just so you get the point. I bet in five or 10 or 15 or 20 years, some doctors like me will know how to have you change the color of your eyes. Really? <laughs> because, yeah, you think the color of your eyes are fixed. Genetics now, the cutting edge thinkers in science know that genetics are genetic tendencies. They're not fixed, not even close. One of the things that uh, I think about is I get a little older, and uh, I love getting older. I mean, I sure beats the alternative, but one of the things I think about is the perceptions that people had when I was a kid about people my age now. This guy's done, 62 or so. He's over the hill, done. When people say, uh, boy, you'll really look good for your age, I'm thinking, I feel great. Why would I not look good? I mean, it's all part of the same thing, isn't it? And yet, People act old. They act, no, I shouldn't say old. They act decrepit when they're half my age. It seems like we're in need of a major mind shift, a major change in attitude. And there are lots of them in the Love Your Body program. And my program is not the only program that combines physical and what's called mindset shifts. But you've identified one of many. Um, you hear about somebody who had a um, heart attack. Um, and, uh, well, how old was he or she? Well, he was uh, 68. And part of our mind, given our programming, is, well, they were 68. So the undercurrent is, well, as you get older, you're supposed to get sicker. So I offer people, thank you, what you just said is, what about if you took on uh, an adventure for yourself about um, aging elegantly? What if you took on a conversation like you don't have a clue and you're just going to be playful and do a little research, do a little experimenting, kind of listen, not just what you read. What about this idea of youthing rather than aging? Not out of a fear of getting decrepit as you get older, but out of the joy of the possibilities that there are some people 40 going on 70 and there are some people 70 going on 40. And is it just genetics, you know, and who do I want to be when I'm 80, 85, given that the decade of the 60s for most people is harder than the 50s. 
And the decade of the 70s for most people is harder than the 60s. And for most people, the decade of the 80s is way harder than the decade of the 70s. And so I, I'm sorry, for the last 50 years, because I told you I, I, if I wasn't doing this, I'd love to do stand-up comedy. I, I have said to people, um, can we have an adult conversation? You know, I do like some Joan Rivers something or other. And I say, um, the good news is our capacity for healing is, is it's so much more than our rational, linear, logical left brain can come up with. And most people don't die of old age. Most people die of something that the last three months, six months, if it was that, that's not that bad. The last three years, the last six years of their life is, is you know, they're not going on cruises pre-COVID. You know, they're not, they're not, you know, spending the kind of time with their children and grandchildren that they want. Because most people, their end of life, um, they're not doing the things that they saved. Oh, when I get older, I'm going to do this. <laughs> when I get older, I'm going to go I, here. I thought you were going to lay on the uh, great George Burns line. And since you love comedy, I'll do my attempt at a George Burns. Okay. I, uh, I I went to my doctor and he said, uh, uh, you, you got to uh, stop smoking cigars and stop drinking martinis. Really? Did you? He says, uh, no. And my doctor died. You know, that old joke. That old gag. He outlived everybody. But but no, I think I think your point is uh, echoing what I said, doctor, and that is we are what we think we are and what we feel we are. And and that's nothing new. That's uh, very much a tried and true philosophy down through the ages. But we've forgotten that in this hectic, crazy, fast paced world. And we're always looking for that quick fix. My wife, I'll tell you the story, just did a cleanse because she's dealing with some arthritis and she got some great advice. And first, it was jarring to just go celery juice and greens and applesauce made the old fashioned way. But she did it for a week, uh, actually nine days and felt great. And I said to her, I said, you look amazing. Your skin is clear and your your whatever belly you had, little belly, it's gone. I mean, it's just amazing what, mm-hmm. what you can do. And, and I think the point that I'm making is we're all capable of doing these things. Wouldn't you agree? Most most people, um, if, if, if you have a big enough why, you'll find out, find out how, mm-hmm. as opposed to I can't do this. Uh, well, it's more like, you know, you're not suffering enough uh, because if, you know, so most people can, with enough intention, that's why I wrote a chapter in my book on intention. Um, and my job is how to make it more fun. My, my job is to not only give them some kind of rationale uh, without making medical doctors wrong, uh, without, you know, but but just telling them about the economics of food and sugar and domino sugar and who's, who's giving money to medical schools and what good doctors are learning. And then how do I chunk down the process, um, whether somebody might need to learn more compassion or they might need to learn more forgiveness or, okay, that's too heavy. Let's not look at compassion or forgiveness. Um, that j- just how do we make it fun? Uh, because um, there are a lot of people who are pretty attached to their coffee. You know, there are a lot of people who are, I keep using coffee, but we could use anything to we humans are creatures of habit. 
Absolutely. I'm a tea drinker and I'm a tea snob. I don't like tea bags. I like brewed tea. I switched uh, many years ago, but occasionally as a treat, I will have a cup of really well-brewed coffee. Right on the mark when you talk about changing a habit. A habit is a difficult thing to break, but once you start a new habit that's healthy, it's phenomenal. Before we close out, um, there are many, many, many case studies And you work with people of all ages, of all economic stripes from all over the world. So I think people should check out the book for that. It'll give them some hope and anticipation that good things are to come. Give us an example of a recent case, no names, of course, a case or two where the employment of the Love Your Body system really paid off. Boy, uh, let's see. If if you want, even take one from the book if you want. That's fine. Yeah. So uh, first, I'd like to say thank you. all profits of the book go to a number of nonprofits. So I don't profit at all from the sale of the book. Uh, the book's available on Amazon. It's also available on my website. You can read parts of the book on my website. DrBarryTaylor.com. Yeah, D-R, no space, no period. Yep, Dr. Mm-hmm. Barry Taylor, you can read parts of the book. Um, I'm thinking of a person who um, was not that old, was 42, and she came to me with some weight issues. She came to me with some menstrual issues. Um, She came to me with a lot of tiredness. Um, And and that was the request. I can't keep my weight off and and, uh, my joints hurt. I'm tired. Occasionally I get headachy. My menstrual cycle is not that great. You know, I have premenstrual symptoms. And so one would think that I would think about what herbs can help balance the hormones and my mind's going there. And does she have adrenal overload and my mind's going there. Um, And part of the issue that she didn't see how it was connected was that she had bad allergies her whole life. And the allergies, she had allergy shots and they got better for several years, but she stayed away from foods and then sometimes ate those foods. And when she did the love your body program, similar, maybe a little bit different than what your wife did. I had her do uh, vegetables and protein drinks for three weeks while she was journaling, while she was moving and stretching her body, while she was constructing some sanctuary, some still place that exists inside her, but the avenues and pathways to a quieter place. Not that I'm teaching people to get to a place where they don't think I don't think that's what monks do. I don't think monks get. <laughs> thank you, thank you for that. Thank you for that. You don't have to not think. You know, as a very famous rock star, he lets me use his name, uh, Stephen Tyler. When I worked with him, said he said, "You mean dancing between the notes?" <laughs> well said. And I said, Stephen, thank you. I'm going to use well that. Said. So well I have. Um, so it, it's not about stopping thinking. It, it's about being not so seduced. And grabbing on to the thoughts that we have, as opposed to, well, I'm thinking it, therefore it's got to be the truth. So the idea of transformation is to give people possibilities that they could play with. And I was very, very blessed. Uh, I mean, this this woman did fabulous. Her cycles got on board. Uh, I used some homeopathics and got her really to retrain her brain so the foods and some of the additives and colors that she was desperately trying to stay away from, which is not easy, uh, no longer triggered. So about 80, 90% of people that I work with with allergies, if you give me three, four, five, six months, I can get them where you don't have allergies the rest of your life. They're gone. You love this stuff, I can tell. And 
I, as a as a client of anybody, whether it be my car mechanic or my retirement planner or my doctor, I want somebody to be excited for me. I don't want to have somebody, uh, you're really not doing well, are you? Haven't haven't looked at the treadmill in a while. I don't want anybody wagging their finger at me. So the final question is, in your approach, it seems as though you're a, just a hail fellow well met. That approach it seems to be very successful for you. Is it something that you wish others would employ in their practices? Again, uh, you know, I, <laughs> I remember the teacher who said to me, do you know what the difference between motivation and inspiration is? And I said, Nope. He said, well, motivation is when your ego believes in something and you get somebody to believe like you do. And inspiration is when you get somebody in spirit, you open them up. Makes sense. And, and I said, yep, there's so much more that I don't know than what I do know. What, what what I there's that bridge. I didn't go to divinity school. I went to naturopathic school, but I I believe uh, and tr- have come to trust. And despite wars and inhumanities, and oh my God, how so many people act out of deep, 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 unconscionable wounds. Without getting too California on you, hmm. I, I, I believe in the power of love, and I believe in the power of spirit. So sometimes I need to calm down. Um, <laughs> but don't calm down on my part, on my account. You're just fine some, the way you are. And, and sometimes I, more California stuff coming at you, I think the biggest gift I can give for people is to create space for them to rediscover and reinvent and reevaluate as opposed to just going back to where you started. Thank you so much. Continue to act out of the machinery and the programming that's so deeply etched in them that they are, are seduced, that they don't get that if you have a, a big enough why, I can help you find out how. Not 100% guaranteed, but how could we make it enjoyable, spirited, fun? And so I in, uh, invite people to um, join me in a value of learning. And being yeah. curious. Yeah. Well, I think the, I think the, the key word in, in the subtitle to the book and in your program is the path. Yeah. The, the path. path. It's called Love Your Body, Your Path to Transformation, Health, and Healing. His yeah. name is Dr. Barry Taylor, and that's the website, drbarrytaylor.com. You keep saying California. Were you a California dude for a while? No, I've had a fantasy of <laughs> for the last 40, 50 years that I've been in Boston and New England. And, you know, I was doing a lot of traveling pre-COVID. Yeah. People would look at me and say, you don't really belong here. You should go to California. <laughs> I'm glad you're here, quite frankly. The people in California. Well, a lot of you in California. No, that's yeah. true. That's true. But you're, you're a delight, man. Thank you so much for joining us and for sharing your not just wisdom, but your enthusiasm. That means a lot. So uh, God bless. God bless you. Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. Dr. Barry Taylor, Naturopathic Medicine, Love Your Body, Your Path to Transformation, Health, and Healing. Do check out this fascinating book. And to find out more, visit his website, drbarrytaylor.com. That's drbarrytaylor.com. We have wrapped up another show. Thank you to Dan Tebow of Fast Twitch Media. Thank you to Ken Carberry and everyone at Chart Productions, where we produce this and countless other podcasts and narrations and commercials. And I always save the best for last, thanking you, the audience, the growing audience, with more subscribers every single week. And we appreciate the ratings and reviews. 
So, till next time, this is JR saying as always, and today it really means something, be well so you can do good. Take care. <laughs>